Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. texted me and um and and so they had their baby did you guys get the message that was sent out you guys got that well we want to say congratulations to them uh but as you can tell from those pictures things were not going probably the best that they could and uh michael's got some good news they were able to take the iv out of her head today able to remove the breathing tube today and man god is so good but he asked if we would pray um man they really want maple to get discharged tomorrow and then all get to go home as a family for that to happen uh she really needs to eat well today and tonight and so if you guys would just be praying that she'll eat well and that they can go home and put that this little hiccup behind them and go enjoy being a new family so uh we're gonna pray for that here in just a second but also um i don't know about y'all do you guys like ever feel distracted <laughs> what? yeah it's like huh what excuse me um yeah i it's funny, I, I'm standing up here, I feel distracted, and uh, I learned a, a little technique, and I want us to, we always take a second to pray. I know we, a lot of us have um, our notebooks with us, and uh, I want us to take a second, empty out the, the brain bucket, okay? And so, I don't know about y'all, I can have like 20 things on my mind. Uh, and especially if things get quiet or I'm sitting still, I'm like, oh my goodness, when I get home, I've got to finish up this project that I'm working on. I got work, the kids need to eat, and the list goes on and on and on. And um, so what I want you to do is just really quickly, those things are in your mind right now, just jot them down. It, it's, it's crazy how just jotting down just some quick bullet points, work, kids, you know, the person in front of me's haircut looks crazy. You know, whatever those things you can't, maybe it's like, I'm insecure about my hair now. You know, whatever those things are, you know, take a second and, and jot those down because what I, I want to do is to make room to be able to hear God's voice this morning. Uh, and I love what Leslie said. We really, this is a safe place where we can bring our junk. And God's going to meet us exactly where we are. But sometimes we also have to make a little extra room so that, that God can get in there. So let's take just a minute and get those things out of your head and, and fill it with a little prayer. Father, we really want to hear your voice this afternoon. We want to do what you want us to do. Uh, we want your will to be done. 
We want to be used by you. And Father, uh, we want to know, uh, we want you to speak to us this afternoon. And I pray that, that we can do that. I pray that you're with me, that I will say the things that you want me to say, uh, Father, and, and not the things that you don't. And um, I just, I pray that you're with our time, that we can enjoy uh, this little moment together. Father, we want to throw up a prayer for the Hattons and uh, their new family. Thank you so much that, that Maple's here. And uh, we just, we pray that you will be with her today and tonight, help her to eat and uh, to get that little belly full uh, so that they can all go home tomorrow. Father, uh, we love you. Thank you for all that you're doing and the, the ways that you work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's begin. Uh, if you want to open up to Psalm 8, that's uh, our text for today. Uh, as you guys, um, if you weren't at the park, you didn't hear this, but what we're going to do over the summer is we're going to go through different psalms, and it's, I don't know, I'm really excited about it. It's kind of going to be a big switch up from what we have been doing. I think we're going to highlight a bunch of really big psalms that we all know, uh, and today, we're going to dive into Psalm 8. And this psalm begins and ends with this. Yahweh, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. Yahweh, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. Everything we talk about today in this psalm is meant to point us to being in awe of who God is, to bring us to a place where we can worship him. And I was thinking about this, this section, that line, and we just don't use words like magnificent very often. I feel like magicians, maybe. <laughs> I, I guess I, that I think about that, I think about maybe going to the mountains and you're like, man, that's magnificent. Um, but that word magnificent in the verse that I'm reading uh, is there, but there's also majesty and glorious is used. And I look those words up because I don't know, what does it really mean to say his name is magnificent? And so majesty means sovereign power, authority or dignity, royal bearing, or aspect of grandeur, greatness or splendor of quality or character. And magnificent means exceptionally fine, strikingly beautiful or impressive, sumptuous in structure and adornment. Did I say scrumptious? Sumptuous. <laughs> Read my notes, Ben. Come on. <laughs> Marked by stately grandeur and lavishness, great indeed or exalted, glorious, praise, honor, or distinction, extended by common consent, renown, worshipful praise, honor, and thanksgiving, distinguished in quality or asset, a, high, a height of prosperity or achievement. And so, you know, it, it's good to read a lot of different versions of the Bible because magnificent just doesn't cover it. It's kind of like 
majesty and glory. All those things together are, are what God's name is supposed to, uh, I don't know, to, that's how, how we should see God. And so I was thinking about this for myself, and it's like, do I even know God well enough to say that he's magnificent? Do I, like, do I realize enough about his character, and do I know him well enough to say, man, I see what you're doing, and that's magnificent. It's majestic. And, and I think the sad thing is, is I, I don't because I can't be super distracted. And, and oftentimes it's like my mind is, is constantly going to the next form of entertainment. You know, I, whether that's scrolling in my feed on my phone or what's on TV or a movie or music or I don't know. It's like I got to have something to entertain me and I, it, I miss out on, on actually seeing what God's trying to do in my life because I try to fill it with other stuff. And, and so my hope is that in, the, in David, the writer of the song, I think the hope is that, that he wants us to see how magnificent God really is and wants to give us a, just a, a glimpse into to something we can, a way we can praise him or I think a better way to say it is see a glimpse of his character so that we can praise him. So as we read this, let's learn about and take note of uh, what we're learning about his character. So that's this that's kind of the setup, but I think one of the other things that's really interesting about Psalm 8 is the way it's all set up. I, I never really knew this, is that the, the Psalms are set up into like different sections and books. You know, in my ignorance, I always thought it was just a big old list of poems, but in fact, there's actually some structure to it. They're not just like Yahtzee dots thrown in there, you know? And, and man, people that put the Bible together were really smart. But what's cool is the first two chapters is kind of like the intro to the first like section or book. And that first section, I think it's one through 47, something like that is the first book or section of Psalms. But chapter one and two are kind of a setup. And Keith read one on Sunday, but one and two, it's, 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 it kind of talks about how God is gonna deal with the suffering and the evil in the world by anointing a new king from the line of David. And so that's kind of like the setup right there. But then the, the part that we're in is like three to seven, and then, um, so it's three sections. It's three to seven, then there's eight, and then it's nine through 14. So if you guys want some interesting like Bible study, kind of think about that group one to two, and then you have three to seven, and then you have eight right in the center, and then you have nine to 14. And this is important because three through seven really talks about David's past and how he feels powerless and he's being hunted. And he's praying that, that God would, would come and restore him as king. And so you've got that section, and then you jump to after eight, you got nine through 14, and that's all about the afflicted, the poor and the afflicted and the oppressed, and their prayer for help. 
And so you have those two sections. And I want to just, just so you guys have a snippet of what, I just pulled some, some uh, little quotes from a couple of those songs so you can kind of get some vibes on what, uh, what's, what is uh, going on through that. But it says, and, and this is, I didn't put where they are, you'll just have to read them. But it says, be gracious to me, Adonai, because I am withering away. Heal me, Adonai, because my bones are shaking. I am completely terrified. And you, Adonai, how long? I am worn out with groaning. All night I drench my bed with tears, flooding my couch till it swims. That was about David here in 7 through 14. Here are a couple. See how the wicked are drawing their bows and setting their arrows on the string to shoot from the shadow at honest men. Help Adonai, for no one godly is left. The faithful have vanished from mankind. They all tell lies to each other, flattering with their lips, but speaking from divided hearts. How long must I keep asking myself what to do with the sorrow in my heart every day? How long must my enemy dominate me? And so these, this is kind of the vibe that the feeling that David was having and that the poor and afflicted were having. All right. And I don't know about y'all, that might sound dramatic because there's nothing, I don't know, thinking about filling my bed with tears till, till it's swimming. You're like, all right, man, come on. It's not that bad. But I've never been hunted. Okay. I've never had to live in a cave. Um, and to feel like there's no one faithful left. I, I've never been in a situation like that, but this is kind of the heart where, where, where Psalm 8 is coming from. It's drop dead right in the center of all of that. But my question for you is, where are you today? Because we all have that jump. I think we've all cried ourselves to sleep before at some point. We've all been in a place where we felt helpless, where we've been the afflicted, where we felt oppressed, where we've been just tired. And it's gonna look different for all of us, but I think there's some things that we have in common. We're all fragile. And not in the sense of like, I don't know, I think about the Clemson football players. You think about tough guy, and you're like, that guy's not fragile, he's hard, you know? But fragile in the sense of our mortality. There's a reason why we wear bike helmets. It's because we get beat up easy. You know, we teach our kids about not touching the stove because we're fragile. We get hurt easily. I mean, we woke up today and went out. We just got 40 chickens. Um, and we have all these little chicks and we came out and there was a little chick that was dead. And you're just like, oh my gosh. Life is fragile and it's precious and it's short and sweet and like, and we're just fragile. We're flawed. None of us are where we want to be. You may not, we may not say that out loud, but in our heads, in our minds, we can always be better looking. We can always make more money. We can always have more friends, better relationships, 
whatever that thing is, we're full. We have not arrived yet. You know, we're also works in progress. We're all on a journey. And I think that that's another thing that we're all striving to, to better ourselves. And, and I think if we're in this room together, we're also, we're trying to become more like Christ. We're trying to be more godly, but it's a journey. We realize that we haven't, we're not there yet, you know? We haven't arrived, but we want to keep going. We want to figure it out. And then we need help. And I think that that is ultimately the heart of what these other psalms that are surrounding Psalm 8 are saying is it's a cry for help. Look, I can't do this on my own anymore. And God, I know you have the power to help me. And I, I don't know. I think that that may be the most difficult thing that we do is ask for help. And I'm not even talking to our friends, but to go to God and say, this is really where I'm at. And I'm, I wanted, I need to deal with it. It's not good anymore where I'm at. And, and to go to God with that. And so we want to see God's power work in us and we need God's help. We're fragile, we're flawed, we're works of progress, we need help. Let's jump into Psalms 8. Yahweh, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the skies with your majesty. Because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold. You guys know what a stronghold is? So that word, it means strength, but it can also mean a strong place, a fortress, refuge, a place of security, we sing about an anchor for our soul, something that's gonna, it's strong and it's gonna keep us in place. You have established a stronghold from the mouths of children and nursing infants to silence the enemy in the avenger. What in the world is he talking about? <laughs> Seriously, what, like this, you read that and you're like a stronghold, a fortress, you know, a place of refuge from the mouths of children. When I think of a stronghold, I think of like our army bases. Some of us have kids that are in the army or the military. You know, you go there and it's locked down. There's men with weapons there, trained men for fighting, you know? And, and, and that's not what he's saying. He's saying here, from the mouths of children and nursing infants. That's, that's where his established stronghold will come from. Let's keep reading. It says, when I observe your skies, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man, what is humankind that you remember him? The son of humanity, that you look after him. And so this here, if you didn't know, is a reflection on Genesis 1, the creation story. You know, when I consider how you created the birds of the air, all these things, and that you created man 
it says that every living thing was was created from the dirt and he's saying the son of humanity like when you when i remember that you did all those things and you brought us man mankind up from nothing from dirt you know that's a that's a interesting things to consider it says you made humanity little a little lower than spiritual beings it may say god or angels in there but it's spiritual beings and crown them with glory and honor so what is man like you made humanity from dirt and i was watching the bible project and he was like he was like what is it like we're just dirt people we're like little dirt guys you know it's like you made us and what is the like we're just humble dirt people and you've made us a little less than god you know what is what that's crazy you made them lord over the works of your hands you put everything under their feet all the sheep and oxen as well as the animals in the wild the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas Yahweh our Lord how magnificent is your name throughout the earth but it's interesting that whole idea that that God took creation from dirt and nothing he took us little dirt people and he said know what I want you to be my image bearer humankind yeah. I want you to be me on earth right. and I want you to rule the way I rule in heaven in his in, in his place I want you to rule you're my ambassador you're my people and you will have my power and my juice my whatever you will have it on earth And you will be my image bearer. People, when they see you, they'll see me. And so David's considering all these things. And all he can think is Yahweh, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. And I don't know if this is, it, this took some thinking for me. This stuff hasn't been something that has just been like, you know, when you read some things in the Bible, you're like, oh, that clicks and that changes everything. This hasn't been that for me. This has been something that I've kind of had to stew on and kind of work at. But I, the thing that I'm learning and that Royce is very similar to what you were talking about in communion is that God likes to use the unlikely things to show his power. He likes to use the things that people say are foolish to express how strong he is. And so that's what he's talking about. His stronghold is going to come from the, the weak things. Like babbling babies. I wouldn't go to my son and think, man, that's a stronghold or a stronghold's going to come from his mouth. No, it's my job to protect him or whatever, but no. The, the, God uses things that we wouldn't necessarily choose. So you think about David and his circumstance, the youngest brother. 
the unlikely one. He didn't even get invited to the picking, you know? He didn't even, he, you know, and he got picked to be king. It was the unlikely thing. He chose the poor and oppressed and the afflicted to be his chosen people. Isn't that crazy? He said, I'm going to use you, the most unlikely group of people, to go and, and to be my, my people out on earth. So I want to open up for just a second. Can you guys remember or think of any stories in the Bible where God used the unlikely thing to show his power? You guys have any that pop out in your head? His disciples, yeah, what a ragtag group of people. You know, fishermen, tax collectors, and you think they probably didn't get along. You know, it's crazy. What else? Yes, he used a donkey to That junk is wild. It's wild. I was thinking of how he brought the walls of Jericho down, you know? Blowing horns and he didn't bring an army. He was just banging pots and pans and all that stuff. And he showed his power through that. God likes to use the unlikely things because you can't say it was because those guys were so strong. It was the, they used the right trumpet. That's what it was. No, it was God's power expressed through these people who are willing to follow with them. So let's turn to Matthew 21. And this story continues because the most unlikely character that he could have used was Jesus. An illegitimate child, you know? And we see here in 21 his triumphant entry. And I want to I read some of this story with you. It says, when they approached Jerusalem, starting verse 1, and came to Beth, Bethage, at the Mount of Olives, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, "Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there, and a colt with her, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say to that Lord, say to that the Lord needs them, and immediately He will send them." This took place so that, so that what was spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, a fowl of a beast of burden. And so think about, think about this. Jesus should have been coming in, the anointed king, the son of God should have been coming in on a war horse with the most important people around him. But he was on a, on a beast of burden. That's like the most blue collar thing. It's like the most unspecial thing. It would be like in Biden coming in, the president coming in without his entourage and the secret service and you know, in the limousine and all the stuff, his whole big thing, but an old like 80s Ford pickup truck that's all rusted out and stuff. That's, that's kind of like, you're like, that doesn't make sense. That's not presidential. It's not how it should have been. He came in on a donkey. In verse 6, it says the disciples went 
and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. Then they laid their robes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their robes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken, saying, Who is this? And the crowds kept saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus went into the temple complex and drove out all those buying and selling in the temple. He overturned the money changers' tables and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple complex, and he healed them. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders that he did, and the children shouting in the temple complex, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus told them. Have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouths of children and nursing infants. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. So we have the servant King Jesus coming into town, writing a very humble animal, probably a very inexpensive animal, in, and who's welcoming him? It's not the elites, it's not the people in power, it's not the rich people, but it's the poor and the children. Proclaiming Jesus is Lord, Hosanna, the chosen one. It's really interesting how, I don't know, I, I don't know if, if Jesus would, was here, if we would be okay with Jesus, that being the way he entered. You know, I think we would want him to be in the motorcade and have all the best things and all that stuff. But I, the example he was setting is way different than what we would expect, I think, for, for Jesus to do. In Matthew 20, just a page over. And um, verse 25, it says, But Jesus called to them, called, uh, but Jesus called them over and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles dominate them, and the men of high position exercise power over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be the first among you must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many and we see here that, that God's plan was an unlikely plan it is it's, 
It was a humble plan. It was the plan to use a servant instead of a master to come and change the world. And I think that that's, that this doesn't really make sense to me. And I, I think about this stuff and I'm reading it and I'm, I'm trying to connect my heart to this. But Jesus came, the most unlikely king, lives a perfect life, is killed by the people who, this was frustrating to the people in power, that the, who their subjects were supposed to be were praising this unlikely guy. This guy that was, was humble and serving and a man of the people is killed and he's raised back to life so that God could show his power through his life. And I think that that's what we're being invited to is to follow in Jesus' example of not throwing, not, not coming to gain power, but to show God's power through our service, our, our humility. And so, in our, like, I'm trying to stack all my thoughts here, okay? So, I'm sorry if it's not coming out the most smooth, but Jesus is inviting us to join him in his work. And I'm thinking about the psalm where he's, he's saying that you will rule on earth. You'll be my image bearers on earth. And if Jesus came to, to not be served, but to serve, that's that's as image bearers, that's our role. Right. That we will rule, and that's we hear that we're like, no, we don't have masters. We we're not about that. I'm, I can't do that, you know. That sounds bad, but he's not ruling in the way that we even think about it. And and that Royce is what you're talking about is he uses foolishness, what we would see as foolishness or weakness, and that's like that's the upside down kingdom that, that he's creating so through his example we get to be the unlikely image bearers those flawed works in progress that aren't where we want to be yet we're the people that he chose to be his image bearers and that's a special thing so we can rule as he did selflessly serving and loving and through that, people will get to see who God is. Is that clear? Am I saying that right? Is that, is that like, okay, okay. And I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about this and what's the practical application? Where is this? And, and I don't know necessarily if I can give you a practical application other than we need to go back and be okay with humbling ourselves. Because that's, I want to be the guy that's right. I want to come up here and look good and look like I've got my stuff together. And I wrestle with this because I'm not where I want to be. I, I sit at my desk and I'm, I get so easily distracted. And I really have to fight to focus and to not be the lazy guy because I've, telling you I, I would be okay with being on a lazy river for the rest of my life and wherever the river takes me cool you know that's I have to I have to really fight that in my own self 
But in Matthew 18, we'll go back a little bit further. And these are just, I want to share some of my thoughts on what I'm learning, because I think that what I just shared is kind of like this story, that it, it begins with, this story kind of ends with the fulfillment of what one and two in Psalms, chapter one and two, is that there will be an anointed king from David who will come and save us from all the evil and all the junk. That's Jesus. But Matthew 18, it says, Then he called a child to him and had him stand among them. I assure you, he said, unless you turn around and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. I don't know if any of us want to be called to that. You know, I, I read that and that's, I, I can appreciate it. I mean, I can appreciate it, but the call to humility is a high calling and it's not really what the world calls us to. Right. We're called to, especially I feel like in America, we're called to be independent. We're called to be winners. You know, to be successful, go-getters, yep. by our bootstraps, by any means necessary. Whoever we got to step on, we got to like get up and and get it done. But this is a, the idea of saying, you know what? Turn around and, and become humble like a child. A child needs help. A child needs guidance. Let's keep reading the Philippians. 2, 5 through 11. He says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave Taking on the likeness of man, the dirt people. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he then humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him. And gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So his stronghold... And his praise is established through the mouths of babies. And that's what we're called to. To humble ourselves like a child. God's power can't be realized until we humble ourselves like these kids. And 
I think this is going to look different for all of us. This isn't, I, we are all so different in here and all this, we're all so different. And so I can't just say, do this and you're going to get humble, right. you know? But I think it starts with us praying for guidance, praying to God saying, hey, I need help. I want your help. Help me. In Psalms 5, it says, at daybreak, Lord, you hear my voice. At daybreak, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. God will answer us if we, if we go after him, if we put it out there. Man, I want to be useful to you. I want to, these things that I'm worried about and flawed and I need your help. Help take care of me, help humble me and get me to a place where I can feel your power. Another thing we can do is talk to a trustworthy and faithful friend. And when I say faithful, I mean faithful to God. Amen. You know, I, walk in the light, bring people in, have people know what's going on with you. What do you see in me? I think those are all great places to start. I love in that passage uh, in Matthew 18, where it says, turn around. We have to realize that we might have to do things differently than how we've always been taught to do them. The way that the world says, this is the way you go, we might have to turn around and try something new. And that's gonna be scary. We're gonna mess up and it's gonna take practice. God's ways may seem backwards and not glamorous. I think that that's one of the things that might be difficult. I think we also need to watch expectantly. I, we have to be, when we ask God, we have to, in faithful expectation, wait for him to do what he said he'd do. And I don't want us to miss out on these things, on God's power in our life, because we're, we don't know who God is and we haven't been looking for it. We don't know what his fingerprints look like. We don't know what his face looks like. We can't see what it is when he's doing it because there's, we're looking at so many other things. Our phones are too close to our face, you know? And I know that that's cliche, but that's the reality yeah, right. yep. is, is that we are always, there's always something else to see. We have to look and watch expectantly. And so my, my, my final thought here is, is that this all comes back to bringing praise to God. So if we, as people who need help, are seeking God out, we can take confidence and know that he will provide one for us because we're his image bearers. But if we're image bearers and we're ruling in the way that he does as faithful servants, people see and acknowledge that we are like God. Right. They will see God through us. And man, that's, I think one of the most, it's rare like going and seeing majestic mountains is rare. That's why it feels so majestic. If they were everywhere, we, that's okay. You know, we've got that all the time, you know? But people being faithfully served and loved the way that Jesus loved us, us being our, his hands, his image bearers, 
in our homes and at school and at our jobs, people see that and they say, God is real. Praise God. God's magnificent. And because the reality is many people have never experienced faithful love like that. They've never been served or taken care of or even just listened to in a way where they're like, man, God, there is something more out there. There is some hope. There is some good news in this life. So I just want to end with Yahweh, our Lord, how magnificent is your name. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.